Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for up to half the cost. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up! And call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Savings based on cost of Consumer Cellular single line 1, 5, and 10 gig data plans with unlimited talk and text compared to lowest cost single line postpaid unlimited talk text and data plans offered by T-Mobile and Verizon January 2024. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Up next, Out Loud with John O'Caldwell, part of the Gingrich 360 Network. The Democratic Party thinks racism infects every inch of American life, except within its own ranks. Today, I expose the Democratic Party's racism and show just how destructive the party of Jim Crow has been for the black community. This is Out Loud with Gianna Caldwell. Welcome back to Out Loud with Gianna Caldwell. I've got a provocative show for you guys this week. My guest is Vernon Jones who was a member of the Georgia House of Representatives from 2017 to January of this year and previously served in the same role from 1993 to 2001. After his first stint in the Georgia House, Jones served as the chief executive officer of DeKalb County, Georgia for eight years. Jones is also a successful businessman and the founder of the Waking Up America, an organization dedicated to promoting America's core values of hard work, self-determination and the promise of the American dream. But Jones is perhaps best known for becoming the first state elected Democratic official in Georgia to endorse Donald Trump's 2020 reelection bid. And just in January, he announced that he was leaving the Democratic Party and joining the GOP. Today, I'm going to ask Jones why he switched parties and so much more. Let's go. So I want to begin with Georgia's new election law, which Governor Brian Kemp just signed. The stated purpose of the law is to protect against voter fraud and ensure Georgians, uh, Georgia's elections are fair and honest. As you know, the law does several things, such as requiring a photo ID in order to vote absentee by mail and giving the legislature more control over administrating elections. And of course, the left has called the law racist, saying it will disenfranchise voters of color. What are your thoughts on this? A couple of things. The left has really shaped the narrative using Stacey Abrams as their shield to say it's okay to call this racist. That's why Joe Biden is saying it's racist. It's ironic that Joe Biden's home state has uh, much more restrictive laws than Georgia, but he's not calling his home state Jim Crow. Matter of fact, that's why I call him Joe Crow. When you look at Georgia's election laws historically, Mail-in ballots were, or absentee ballots were used for those people who were handicapped or senior citizens, or you had to have a legitimate excuse. When Stacey Abrams lost her election, 
not narrowly lost it. She was 55,000 votes from even getting into a runoff. But the media shaped it as if she narrowly won or lost, I should say. Um, she got upset, filed a lawsuit. Nobody claimed by her filing a lawsuit. Matter of fact, Gianno, I don't think she's even admitted yet that she's lost that race. It's kind of interesting. Um, so she files a lawsuit. And the Georgia's Constitution is very clear. It says that only the members of the Georgia General Assembly have the authority to change election laws, not the Secretary of State, not the governor. It has to be adapt, adopted through the members of the Georgia General Assembly, mean, meaning if you're going to change anything, we can change it as a legislature. The governor can veto it, of course, but the Secretary of State has nothing to do with that. And so what you, so what you saw happen, you saw Stacey Abrams go in through a back door and negotiate with the Secretary of State, whose arms were not as long as hers. You had Brian Kemp, who was fully aware of it, signed off on it, who had been a former state senator, a former Secretary of State, and now he's governor, and he signed off on that agreement. The members of the General Assembly knew nothing about it, and here's what's ironic. What's ironic is they were doing this, didn't tell us about it, and it was all because the governor is afraid of Stacey Abrams. They have made her Godzilla in the state of Georgia, and I'm sure other places too. She is not the big bad wolf. Uh, that's a paper tiger. Let me be clear. That is a paper tiger. All right. And so um, um, what's interesting is that there's never been any litigation. And the attorney general sat on the sideline. They all cut and ran on the president. The attorney general could have easily gotten involved and said whether or not it was constitutional or not. But he's you ever notice he's been silent. He is the highest law enforcement officer in the state of Georgia. You haven't heard him do anything or say anything about investigating anything. And he's the highest law enforcement officer. He can do it. And so uh, when now let's get back to this racism and Jim Crow. This bill, someone was saying, including Jesse Jackson and what's his name, the guy who liked to use all the big words, the black guy who specializes in hip hop at an Ivy League school. I can't think of his name right now, but but uh, oh, they're not allowing allowing people to have water. That's not true. The way it sets up, it says that within 150 feet, you cannot bring in one water or food. Well, the law is right now, you can't come in that particular part and campaign. That's where campaigning starts. So people can get food, people can get water. That was a complete lie. And then the drop boxes. Did you know that those drop boxes were just put out there in an obscure place, no supervision, no camera, no nothing. Now those drop boxes are located in an area that's well supervised and it has to be in an election precinct. Now what is Jim Crow? What is racist about that? And finally, Gianno, you can get me on this. If white Democrats and Republicans have to adhere to the same law that black people have, why is it that it's suppressing black votes and it's not suppressing white votes? It's because you don't have an ID. Well, you need an ID to check in a hotel. You need an ID to go and buy uh, cigarettes, to buy beverages, and an ID to get a COVID shot. So you're saying now black people either can't have an ID, and by the way, IDs are given out free in Georgia if you want one, you can't have an ID and you're not smart enough. You're just dumb as a black person that you are now going to be suppressed from voting. I'll tell you what the vote suppression is. The vote suppression has been done by Stacey Abrams and the Jim Crows that are still in place who painted a picture that black people are deficient and defective. That's the real Jim Crow. You know, 
there's a saying that the the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was making people believe that he didn't exist. There's a narrative in the Democratic Party that racism doesn't exist within their party. And some people consider it a safe haven from racism. As a long-serving member who was a Democrat for many, many years, what say you? Well, the, to me, the most, uh, or the, the most devastating area, the most bigoted area, the most racist, racist party is the Democratic Party. For one, they think they know what's best for black people. For two, they want to think for black people. For three, they want to build your habitat house, but not in their neighborhoods. Uh, for four... They have gotten so high tech where they were using black votes to carry out their liberal agenda. Now, because more and more blacks are running as Democrats for these jobs that they always had, like U.S. Senate, governor, everything else. So now what they want to do, they are coming in and they are picking their own black now. They've gone high tech. They are picking their own black to put all the resources behind so they can get their person in office, Warnock that would support aborting babies at eight months, that would support uh, uh, taking away your guns, that would support attacking you because of your political ideology or political affiliation, that would support this false sense of Jim Crow and not call Joe Biden out for saying that if, you don't black, you don't, if you're not black, you don't vote for him. They don't call Joe Biden out by saying, look, black people aren't as diverse in their thinking as white people and more re- as Latinos. And even more recently, Gianno, not calling the Democrat party out or Joe Biden for saying that the reason why black people are more uh, or disproportionately affected by COVID is because we don't know how to go online and get information. Hell, my four-year-old nephew can get online right now and surf more than anybody else I know. That's the bigotry in the Democratic Party. And they don't want people like you and me who think independently. And I'll tell you what they use. They use the old method. When the slaves would leave the plantation, they would catch them and bring them back. Who would they get to whip the slaves? they would get black slaves to whip the slaves in front of slaves. So they use a Stacey Abrams and the others to whip you and me or try to whip us back on the damn plantation for whites because now, white liberals, because why? Because we're thinking for ourselves now. We don't need them to think for us. I wasn't raised a victim. They want you to think you're a victim. Oh, you're, su- you're gonna be suppressed by this voter law. Really? Or your vote's gonna be much more protected. And, and, and why not verify when you vote in person now, Gianno, you have to show your ID. If you go to the Democratic Party and register for something, you got to show an ID. Now, why is it that a person cannot show an ID attached it to their mail-in ballot? So it's better, it's easier, more efficient to verify uh, uh, your ballot based on, on identification card versus signatures. I sign my signatures 10 different ways a day. Don't verify me based on my signature. Use my photo ID. But it's never been a problem. It's not a problem now. This is fabricated. And they're, you know what, Stacey Abrams using her folks out there to call these corporate companies like Coca-Cola and Delta and say, oh, we're against this. But wait a minute, Delta, I mean, Coca-Cola, you were just busted for trying to tell your employees, your white employees, not to be as white. Now, what if somebody in the corporate America was telling us, Gianno, uh, you can't be that black. You can't be as black. We would lose our mind. We'd be what calling Coca-Cola Jim Crow Plantation. You see the hypocrisy?
a lot of people know you. They know you from being one of the first, well, I guess the only Democrat to to endorse President Trump's reelection for 2020. Uh, you were a state representative at the time. You've been involved with the Democratic Party for years. I would imagine decades. And you can correct me if I'm wrong. Racism in the Democratic Party didn't just start. So why did you stay in so long? Well, you know what? You don't move quickly. You try to change from within first. You know, it's not always, oh, I quit. I wasn't taught to be a quitter. But when I really started to see that the Democratic Party does not have the black community at heart, at its heart, it does not support the black agenda. It's supporting bio-transgender males participating in female sports. They want to put they want to pass legislation in Washington that your your sex or your gender is determined by your mannerisms. They want to say that they're for hate crimes, but they let Black Lives Matter and Antifa attack and fight and even kill people, even children, and they don't say anything about it. They're burning churches now. And I'm like, wait a minute. This is not the Democratic Party I know about. I mean, now faith, it's not even political. You have to be, it's kind of funny. You can't even say you're a man now. You can't even refer to your father and your mother as your father and mother. They want you to refer to them as your parents or guardians. Children, they support children getting transgender operations and being injected with hormones. Children, you have to be 18 just to, to vote, but you're going to change a child's body. Where is the science? You always talk about following the science. See, they follow the science when it's when it's convenient for them. And so, you know what? I said, not, and by the way, I did leave the party. The party left me. But I said, I'm not going to go along with that. I'm not going to I'm not going to deny my faith. I'm not going to deny my gender. I'm not going to deny saying that I, I am a man and supporting women and women sports. I'm not going to deny the science. I am not going to be more supportive of children coming to this country illegally than the children right here in the United States. Biden just signed a bill for 88, an invoice for $88 million for hotel expenses for illegal kids coming over from Mexico that he invited to come over. Gianno, there are children from Chicago to Atlanta living on the streets and under bridges. Where are the hotels for them? Where are the hotels for our homeless, including those who have mental challenges? Wait a minute. And the, the, see, the Democrats, the liberals want to bring those illegals in because they're thinking they're going to voting Democrat. And that's going to push black voters farther and farther down the totem pole where soon you won't even be irrelevant. That's why I said I can't take this foolishness no more. Enough was enough. Now, let me ask you this question, because since President Trump has been out of office, now he's former President Trump. There's been very few people who've had an opportunity to sit down and meet with him and talk with him. But you have been a frequent visitor of President Trump in Florida. And I'm imagining you all are having discussions about a number of different things. Is it uh, potentially discussions about you running for governor of Georgia? There's been a lot of rumors. You broke news last week. Uh, people have been saying that you're I mean, but it's true. It's true. 
I'm seeing you in a lot of photos with the former president. And he the people that are meeting with President Trump now are those who are more of his inner circle than there's ever been. There's been folks that met with him when he was at the White House, um, uh, stakeholders for different industries, etc. That's what a president does. But in this state, especially considering the fact that you came out so hardcore for him in Georgia, one of the states that there was major contention with Brian Kemp, the governor of, of Georgia and also the secretary of state, you spoke out against that as an elected Democrat official. What's going on? Are you, can you can you let us in on the discussions you've been having with President Trump and what's your future plans? Well, let me say this, Gianna. I've always been a bipartisan person. Um, when I was in the legislature in the 90s, I worked on both sides of the aisle. That's how I was raised. I was raised, you know, faith-based, hard work. The government doesn't owe you anything. Business opportunities, create those opportunities, get educated. That's just how I was reared. Um, but at the same time, when I came out for President Trump, I supported him in 2016, but nobody paid me any attention because they didn't think he could win. But when I came out for him in 2020, you would have thought all hell broke loose, primarily because Democrats and the liberal media, oh, this cannot happen. He doesn't fit the profile. How can he do that? He's black. That showed a lot of the bigotry within the liberal media and the Democratic Party, but I supported President Trump because of his policies. Look, I went to a historical black college, and I, and, if, and I could sit around any group of black liberals or whatever, and they'll agree with me at a dinner table. I went to a historical black college, North Carolina Central University. President Obama cut funding for HBCUs. President Trump came along, not only did he increase funding, but he wrote it into law. And you know how important it is to have funding written into law. If you don't think that's not important, ask Planned Parenthood when they lose their funding or someone try to challenge their funding. Um, at the same time, what he did for historical black colleges, um, that was important. But what he did for prison reform was important. I have friends and relatives and many other folks I know uh, who've had family members who were subjected to that crime bill that Joe Biden passed. And you saw people given time where the time didn't match the crime. And so when the president came and did prison reform and allow a lot of these non-violent offenders to be released and have a second chance to get a job and work and contribute to be, get back with their families, as a father, as a brother, as a son, that was important. What he did with Opportunity Zone districts, what he did with the border, when he when he built the wall, start building the wall back and stop the, the stop and release and start stopping them, taking them back, catching and return, that was good policy for us. Not that he didn't support immigration, but look, we have to secure the border. And I can think of a number of things that I can remember uh, when uh, Gino, I mean, not uh, Gianno, I'm sorry, not, when um, Craig Melvin Gianno, I remember Craig Melvin uh, was interviewing me. The only time I ever been on, on on a liberal station, CNN has never had me. And when I, he asked me why I support President Trump, when I was telling him I was going down things of policy, and the first thing that came out of his mouth, you could tell he was radioed in his ear, and he asked me, he interrupted me, asked me, "How much is the Trump campaign paying you? How much is the Trump campaign paying me?" He never asked Stacey Abrams about the five million dollars that she got from from uh, the, the former mayor of uh, uh, Bloomberg. She never asked. They never asked her and all these other blacks how much money they've gotten from the Democrats. As a matter of fact, a lot of them got nothing, but they just work in there. But. Many of them did, and it's like it was an insult because that's why I didn't want to dime from this president. I just support his policy. So I came out strong for him, and I will continue to come out strong for him. Now, 
where we are now. I've been visiting the president. Yes, I've, I've been fortunate enough to, to maintain a relationship with him because I am interested in growing the Republican Party. I didn't join the party just to be a member. I came to the grand old party bringing a grand new party, grand new ideas, grand new people, grand new opportunities. And I want to help this party through my leadership that I can share with them uh, to grow this party. The president is the Republican Party, whether they like it or not. And I want to know where his thoughts were, what his thoughts were, where he's headed, what's his agenda, how I can still remain a part of his agenda because I believe in what he's doing. So we've had that dialogue, clearly. I think many people, especially those in their right mind, are going to try to see the president or want to talk to the president about their personal or future aspirations in politics. Uh, I think that's a normal thing because he's very influential. In Georgia, he has an 88% approval rate. Now, let me get, I'm bringing this on home. I am very seriously considering and been doing due diligence and going across this state and having conversations with small business people that nobody know, individuals who you don't see them in the newspaper, farmers, uh, school teachers, police officers, those who, um, who have physical conditions where they are having to have some assistance from the government, but, but you know, it's for the right reasons. I'm talking to a number of people, corporations too, colleges, students. I'm focusing a lot on students. And I can tell you this, Governor Kemp and the Secretary of State let the president down and let the people of Georgia down a number of ways. First of all, if I were governor, President Trump would have won Georgia. He would have won these other states as well. And you may say, well, how, Verna? Well, first of all, I would not have allowed the Secretary of State or sign off on what the Secretary of State and Stacey Abrams did to change the mail-in mail ballot process. That really created a quagmire. That really created the opportunity for fraud. Secondly, I would have done a hell of a lot better job in selecting uh, who he selected to fill Johnny Eisenstein's unexpired term. The natural person who had the grit, the guts, and the courage and the experience was Doug Collins. Doug Collins should have been in there. That race would have been over. We'd have won both of those U.S. Senate races. Plus, I would have campaigned a lot more across this state for the president and across this country. I would have been in Michigan, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Arizona. I'd have been all over this country for the president. I look at what I, just as a state representative, how much I was out there for him. But as a governor of the state of Georgia, that's what been, that would have been even more influencing. So, yeah, um, um, I have concerns with what this governor did. He, he cut and ran. He didn't have the courage I thought he should have had and displayed. Um, not to say that I'm asking him to do something wrong, but I'm asking him to stand up for the people of Georgia. If nothing else, he showed no fight. He didn't call a special session. He didn't bring this out to the legislature. Hey, we changed these election laws. And he knew better. He was the Secretary of State. So it's about leadership. And the legislature, they did take a step in the right direction to address those election loopholes. However, that's a dollar late and a day short. The president should, the governor should have had that done in the special session, and he didn't. He failed. So this failure leadership, and then he wants to come in with this grand photo op, not realizing that behind him was a picture of a plantation. 
I mean, that goes to show you either he's, he's absent or don't understand or he had people around him. He's not making good decisions. And so, yeah, I'm very, very seriously considering uh, being the governor of the state of Georgia. As a Republican, that's what I am. And so uh, we'll be making that decision, though, very shortly. I have not made that decision yet, but we will be making it very shortly. We're talking to the one and only Vernon Jones. We got much more with him after a quick break. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash news. That's LifeLock.com slash news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. Good sleep should come naturally. And with the new Natural Hybrid Mattress, it can. A collaboration between award-winning mattress brand Lisa and home design favorite West Elm, the natural hybrid is the culmination of these two companies' shared values. Premium materials, meticulous craftsmanship, and sustainable practices. Made with natural latex, responsibly sourced natural wool, and environmentally safe foams, the natural hybrid elevates your sleep sanctuary, indulges your senses, and supports a greener tomorrow. Plus, when you purchase the natural hybrid, Hybrid, you're also helping fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Since 2015, Lisa has donated more than 40,000 mattresses to ensure children and families have a safe place to sleep. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. President Trump saying to you because I'm sure you've had these conversations with him you you're considering running for governor of Georgia that's going to be a very hot state for him this next coming election and that's in every way beyond 20 beyond just 2022 2024 this is going to be one of his targeted states is he supporting you running for governor of Georgia let me say this no nobody can disagree the president appreciates how I stood up for him. 
the president appreciates how I've stood up for this country and how I've stood up for Georgia. Um, we have a great relationship. Uh, at this point in time, uh, it's too early for anybody to be doing any endorsements, I would say, uh, for the president. I'm, I'm not saying that he can handle his business, but I would love to have the president's support. It would make a huge difference to have his support. And at the appropriate time, those discussions will be held. But I can tell you this, the president can see who stood up for him when times were rough and, and who's asking for his support now when they thought he wasn't going to be sta still standing when the dust settled. This president is strong. That's what I like about him. He's a man's man. He has courage. He'll fight. And, and he's doing it for the right reason. He could be doing so many other things, but he really believes in America first. And I'm totally caught up into that with him. I believe in America first, too. And I think he wants to see he is going to be involved in Georgia. He's going to be involved in some other states, too, because he wants to see people elected that will stand up for, for America and have the guts and the courage to do so and fight the left who's destroying this country. Look at what is happening now. Crises are being created because of Joe Biden. And, and Joe Biden is there. Let me tell you what I've learned. And I've, I've been a legislator for 12 years. I've been a chief executive, account executive for another eight. I've had to run a government. Probably I have more executive experience than, than the governor that's there now and certainly Stacey Abrams. Um, but let me tell you what's important. When you have to make tough decisions, you don't need somebody in there who's going with the political winds, who are afraid to make these decisions. And so um, I would feel very comfortable being a chief executive of the state of Georgia and, and getting things done, moving the state forward and not being afraid and not being afraid to get involved. These corporate companies out there who probably ne they never read the damn bill. And all of a sudden they're taking issue with it because of the pressure from Stacey Abrams. Um, we, we're not going to play that kind of game. And I'm not going to engage in a, in, in a closed uh, effort to change something or stand for something I believe. I would have done this. I would have clearly taken an additional step and dealt with the voting system. That That's one thing that people, no matter what they change, many Georgians are concerned about. They do not feel comfortable with it. And the president doesn't feel comfortable with it. So the president is going to be having people, he believes, that, that supports his agenda um, and, and, and believe in his agenda. That's one thing from just supporting it, but believing in it. So, yes, he's going to be very involved in candidates in 2022. Okay, so you, in other words, uh, you've not, You've had the discussion, but you've not had a formal discussion with the president about you potentially running for governor, then, is what I'm hearing you say. In other words, I got the right yo-yo, now I'm looking for the right string. Okay, very good, very good. So as someone, as you just mentioned, how many years you've been in, in office, and of course it spans well over a decade, you are very familiar with folks on the national end of the Democratic Party. You know these people. You're, I'm sure you've had friendships with them. You're friends with these folks locally. What is the Democratic Party's playbook these days? Is it identity politics and calling everyone a racist? Given your experience as a Democrat, are there any special insights that you have into their goals and political strategy that conservatives might not be aware of? Yeah, here's the Democratic Party's playbook. It's very simple. Continue to push a liberal gender agenda where we become a genderless society, continue to do more for other countries than to do for our own country, continue to do things to scare and put fear in black voters' minds and hearts so they continue to vote Democrat, and to continue to let them, or I should say brainwash them to feel that have we been taking care of you all 
let us take care of you. We know what you need. Don't worry about anything. You don't need to think. That's their agenda. Their agenda does not in any way involve bringing black people out of uh, dire conditions. They want, you know, they want people to remain on programs. They don't want them to have jobs. They want them to have programs. They want them to continue to lean on the government. Think the gov, hey, the government's here to help. We're going to help you. No, we, we want to help ourselves, but we've been we've been conditioned to be that way. And again, because they think about this: if the Democratic Party lost just fifteen percent of the black vote, they could not get elected. If they lost consistently 15% of the black vote, you'll start to see more and more Democrats lose. Why? And more and more Republicans win. Why? Because Democrats cannot win without the black vote. Republicans used to be able to win without the black vote, but they're running out of white conservatives. They're running out. So they're going to have to grow the party, and you have to grow the party by going where the conservatives are. They're in the Democratic Party, but they just don't trust the Republican. They'll tell you, oh yeah, the Democratic Party's been taking me for granted. None of, all of them would tell you that. But I'm choosing the lesser of two evils. Wait a minute, the lesser of two evils, let me think about this now. For 60 years you've been voting Democrat, and you're still singing, someday we'll overcome. And just four years with President Trump, and, and he didn't get maybe, maybe 10, 15 percent at the most. He did more for the African-American community in four years than they have for them in the past 60 years. Joe Biden's been there for 47 years, and nobody can tell me to this day, maybe because I know you do a lot of your research, can you tell me anything that Joe Biden has done to help black people in any way other than put them in jail? No, I mean, clearly, uh, Joe Biden, this is this is the hardest part for me. I'll tell you, if we're talking about Joe Biden, especially racism and those terms are thrown around uh, quite a bit these days. It is extraordinarily difficult for someone to be intellectually honest if they say that Donald Trump is a racist and Joe Biden isn't a racist. It just doesn't make sense to me. If you consider if you consider President Donald Trump a racist by any measure, you cannot say that Joe Biden isn't a racist. I will say that I believe that there when it comes to Joe Biden, his policies have been much more destructive than anything that President Trump has said period. So with that being the case, I believe in policy over rhetoric and Joe Biden has failed that test time and time again. Now we're in a situation where the Democratic Party, um, which has had a monopoly on the black vote for many, many years, and we've seen people like you and many others who've decided to step out. I stepped out over a decade ago. I became a conservative. Now is the time for conservatives to really embrace the black community in a way that they never have. You mentioned correctly there. The numbers in terms of uh, growth in the Hispanic community, black community, the, the Republican Party has to in order to survive. It has to wrap its, around, its arms around the minority community. Otherwise, it doesn't. So what do we do from here? continuing the Trump uh, policies, I think, is a part of it. Uh, but what else do we do? You you have insights that no one else has. What else is it that Republicans should be doing in order to get these folks into the tent? First of all, it's not going to happen overnight. But President Trump showed that if you invest, you, you'll get a rate of return. When he had two million more black men to come out and support him, that's huge. It goes to show you right there. You have a potential right there in the black male community. We have to engage black males from college to fraternities and sororities, 
pastors, the church community, the religious community, through other nonprofit organizations, through men's organizations. We have to come in and say, hey, wait a minute. Listen, here's what we stand for. We, we want you to have a job. We want you to have an opportunity in your own business. Look at our policy. We, we offered up the, uh, when they offered up the half billion dollars for black businesses, not minority business, because minority now can be so stressed so far, but for black businesses. How we talk about, look, we are men. Let's not lose the fact that we're men. There's an attack, under the, uh, there's attack against a straight male. Uh, Black Lives Matter was founded by three lesbians, and what did they do? They went to the heart and the nucleus of the black community, the black man, to destroy that, to take that away. Now, Republicans have to be committed. Here's what I have, I've, I, where I come in and you and others come in. We have to hold those Republicans accountable. You cannot, here in Georgia, for example, David Perdue and Kelly Loeffler, you cannot put two black people in a commercial and all of a sudden that's your outreach, that's, that's, that's you getting the black vote. No, that dog will not hunt. When you really start like Donald Trump and he, no, no, Donald Trump's message can be the same no matter where he goes in front of a black or white audience. Donald Trump will get in front of a white or white audience and say, look, here's what we've done for African Americans. All right. Here's what we He's not afraid to say it. Republicans got to get out there and start talking up and engaging directly on African-Americans. They got to talk to talk and they have to walk to walk. Why aren't they concentrating on African-Americans and CPAC, concentrating on African-Americans and, and, uh, and, and from 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 the top? I have not heard and I'm having dialogue with Ronald McDaniel. McDaniel. Where is the real African-American engagement. Now's the time to do this. You see, you can't win. There are a lot of us out there. More and more of us are coming every single day, but I'm not going to wait on them either, though, Gianno. Let, let's be clear. I'm not. I'm a Republican, so it's just as much as my responsibility as it is theirs. And so, not only am I going to be vocal and continue to be vocal with them, I'm going to be vocal with myself. You're vocal. You know how many African-American young men uh, who know of you never got a chance to meet you and you went to a college? That's why I'm going to colleges to meet them. They say, look, you have a choice. Uh, I'm not here to get you to change parties. I'm getting you to change your mind about only looking one way. Look both ways. Look at what we're really offering. The older generation, they've been locked in so long, they, they can't get out of it. But the newer generation, and we're talking about the future Republican Party, the future Republican Party, Gianno, looks like you and me. That's the future of the Republican Party. We need to pause here for a quick break, but we'll be back in a second. Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid Mattress, it can. A collaboration between award-winning mattress brand Lisa and home design favorite West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is the culmination of these two companies' shared values, premium materials, meticulous craftsmanship, and sustainable practices. Made with natural latex, responsibly sourced natural wool, and environmentally safe foams, the Natural Hybrid elevates your sleep sanctuary. Indulge your senses and supports a greener tomorrow. 
Plus. When you purchase the natural hybrid, you're also helping fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Since 2015, Lisa has donated more than 40,000 mattresses to ensure children and families have a safe place to sleep. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. The biggest stars in country music will be taking the stage at our 2024 iHeart Country Festival. Presented by Capital One. Jason Aldean. Keith Urban. Jelly Roll. Old Dominion. Lady A. Riley Green. Ashley McBride. Brothers Osborne. Walker Hayes. All hosted by Bobby Bones at Austin's Moody Center. Saturday, May 4th. Stream only on Hulu. Starting at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific. What do you say to the critics that say... Oh, you're looking to run for governor as a Republican, but you just became a Republican. I think you changed parties in January, if I'm correct. What do you say to those critics? Well, let's look at the last three Republican governors. All but Brian Kemp were Democrats. Nobody said anything about that. Not a word. Nobody said anything about Zell Miller who was a Democrat, who came out and and supported President George W. Bush and spoke at Republican National Convention. Nobody said anything about that. The Democrats were hashtag silent. But wait a minute, why is it issue when a black man stands out like that? Well, you know what? I've always been a a barrier breaker. So we're going to break that barrier. We're going to knock that wall down so other young African-Americans or anybody else who want to change parties, they don't have that issue. White people were changing from Democrats to Republican almost every day. Nobody said anything about it. So I understand. I understand the, the burden that I carry, the cross that I carry. But who other than me can carry this cross? Who other than me can have this type of influence in this day and this time? So you know what? I don't care about that. But they don't realize I've always been conservative. You, can, you know how many liberal Republicans I know and how many conservative Democrats I know? It's about conservative. I've always been conservative. I haven't changed who Vernon is. That's why I said the party left me. I didn't leave the party. The Democrat, the Republican Party espoused more of what what my beliefs are, my core beliefs. So I'm much more comfortable changing jerseys. And you know what? But it ain't about party because that's what's got gridlock going on in Washington right now. Who are people who are willing to stand up and do the job, work across the aisle and get things done? I'd like to get things done. I have a record of getting things done. Besides you potentially running for governor, do you have any other big projects coming out that folks at home should know about? Well, you know, I found it WakingUpAmerica.us, WakingUpAmerica.us, where that organization, I'm concentrating on several things. One, 
obviously supporting law enforcement, fighting uh, socialism and, and Marxism, supporting those conservative and recruiting other African-Americans and going to college and university, reaching out to young people, growing the party that way, but also school choice. And that, that's something we hadn't talked about. I'm pushing school choice. And let me tell you why. Here's what's interesting, Gianno. Those kids that are coming over here now, they're coming over here and the Democrats are saying, come on, come on. Uh, they're looking for a better life for their kids. OK, I can understand that. So they give them all these services. They get them in schools. Now, here are black kids who are trapped in failing schools based on Democrats policies. And you have a black mother whose kid is trapped there based on that zip code. She can't, she's in a failing school and she cannot, she cannot take her kid and put her kid in a, in a performance school. Now, what if she goes and lies about her address to get her child in a performance school? And they find out that, her, that she lied on her address. They throw the child out. There's no sanctuary school for that child. And you know what? The mother gets arrested for lying. Now, let me understand something. You have illegals that can come across the border illegally, and you give them a place to sleep, put them in a school, you give them all these wraparound services, and you have American families, American children, who are trapped in these failing schools, and when their mother go and lies and get their kid in a performance school, because they want a better life for their kids too, then where's the sanctuary for that child at that school? Why is that parent now arrested? It doesn't make sense. It does not make sense. And so that's what I'm fighting. And black people, I don't care what you say, they do want their child in a, in a performing school. Why can't the money follow the child? Why not, Gianna? Why not? Yeah, I agree with you. And I think we should we should live in a colorblind society, especially when it comes to application of laws. So you can't come into the country, break our laws, be here and then say, oh, yeah, we need to arrest people for this, that and the other is either. We're all uh, equal or we're not. And that's what it comes down to. So I really appreciate that that point. And thank you for your point of view on that. And they get paid. They get paid to break the law and come into this country. They get paid. Because they wouldn't do that. Free services, free government services, free this, that, and the other. Free hotel room, et cetera. And a stimulus check. <laughs> I mean, I mean it's, it's, it's the darnest thing. And so, yeah, that's my other project. I'm been going across the country preaching that and again recruiting and uh, uh, just getting people to wake up open your eyes and see what's happening look at what's really happening here and you know it's kind of funny you and I both have experienced African Americans attacking us here's what help, I've been trying to get this in my mind I got people that I've known went to college with live in my neighborhood uh, gone to church with met just through social gatherings that I've been knowing all my life, damn near. And you know what? They are mad at me for believing what I believe in than their real oppressor. Joe Biden is the one who said you can't think. Joe Biden is the one who said if you don't vote for him, you're not black. Joe Biden is the one who said that, you know, he doesn't want his kids to grow up into a, in a racial jungle. He was the one who jailed those, your black men. He, he was the one who owned property, owned a home that said that in the deed that he couldn't sell it to a black family. But you want to beat me up and not beat him up. You, you want you want to. I just I just don't understand how they don't want to fight their real oppressor. You know, David Dukes today, right now that they black see as a big Klansman can go and run as a Democrat right now and black people would vote for him just because he has a D beside his name. 
And you remember this now. Remember Joe Biden said that he was considering one time having a Republican as a vice presidential candidate, as a vice president running mate? He actually said that. Not a word from black people or Democrats. Not a word. Not a word. And you know, the, going back to bigotry in the, in the Democratic Party, you notice that they grade their candidates. What do you mean, Vernon, grade? Why can't they ever select somebody that both of their parents are black? Why, why, can't they, why can't they ever support, why can't they ever select for vice president or president where both of their parents are black? I understand your point on uh, David Duke, and just for clarification for the audience, we want to make sure that people understand exactly what you're saying. You're saying when you mention David Duke that black folks generally, or even just Democratic voters, will vote for just about anyone because they have a D next to their name, not necessarily that they would vote for David Duke generally, who's obviously someone that a lot of folks know as a Klansman and a, and a racist. So I, I get your point completely. That's what you were saying, right? Here's what I'm saying. Let me be specific. If David Dukes were to turn today and become a Democrat and were to run against, John, uh, run against Joe Biden or any other Republican, they would vote for David Dukes just because he called himself a Democrat. And that's mostly black people. White people, we're the only race, Look at just look at the numbers. We're the only race that's been voting consistently for the past 60 years, 90 to 95% of one party. Asians don't do it. Native Americans don't do it. Um, 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 Indians don't do it. Pacific Islanders don't do it. Whites don't do it. We're the only ones. We're, they, they really did a good job of branding that D in our minds. And you know what? You could be the most loved black person. Right today, if T.D. Jakes changed, if T.D. T.D. Jakes today said, I'm going to run as a, Democrat, as a Republican, he would lose. And keeping his same core values, he would lose his entire church. Yeah. But let a white person change parties. First of all, no white people are going to call him all those names, those racial names. They're not going to call them all those racial names. But when black people do it, we get attacked based on our race. We get attacked based on our race. What do they call us? Sellouts. And they don't, some of them are so stupid, they don't even know what Uncle Tom is when they call you Uncle Tom. If they knew they were complimenting you, they wouldn't do it. But they compliment you when they call you Uncle Tom. It's just pathetic. It's just pathetic how white people have got, white liberals have gotten into black people's heads to that extent. Wow, you, you, you sound like you're very, you're very fired up. And there are some points that I, I agree uh, wholeheartedly with you on. Um, others, I don't know about the David Duke comment. I'll leave that for you. <laughs> your opinion, I'll leave that in your camp. But, but in Chicago, so here, here's, the, here's the distinction. And I'll, I'll tell you this. There's this guy, he was a state rep. His name is Ken Duncan. He ran, uh, he was a state rep for many, many years. Very beloved. And this guy helped a Republican governor. He worked across the aisle. And when people found out he was working across the aisle, the entire Democratic Party turned their back on him. Even President Obama started cutting ads for a state representative race because he helped Ken Duncan helped 
a Republican governor. And it was an issue that was beneficial for his constituents. So they said, oh, no, this is absolutely not allowed. And it went so far that Obama did campaign ads for this other person. And he went down to the state capitol and gave an address before the state uh, the state assembly. So the both chambers, the House and the Senate in Illinois, in Springfield. And he called out Ken Duncan on the floor. Ken Duncan lost that race. And he was one of the most beloved state reps in the state of Illinois. Very pro-black guy, but he wanted to do what was best for his constituents. And if that meant working with a Republican, so be it. But now he's no longer. So I understand. I understand your point completely. And history tells that to be a true story. I get that. Um, The David Duke thing, that's yours. I I let you keep that. But thank you. Thank you so much. Let me tell you, if you put slavery on the ballot right now, liberals would be for it. Put it on the balance and see how many votes it would get. Put it on the ballot and watch what liberals do. If slavery was back in existence today, the slave owners would be liberals. <laughs> now, you probably say, Vernon, you're just as crazy as you can be. But no, I'm keeping it real. Deanna, I'm keeping it real. Think about this. Senator Robert Byrd was a card-carrying chapter president of the Ku Klux Klan, voted against the Civil Rights Act and the Voters' Rights Act. Joe Biden said that's his hero. Hillary Clinton, that's my mentor. Joe Biden utilized him. A Klansman. And black people won't even talk about it. You can't even, they, oh, Trump did, but wait a minute, forget about Trump, let's talk about what Joe, no, really? 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 And the man right now says stuff that that clearly is bigoted and black people won't say a damn thing. I'm not confused. I agree that he if he was a Republican, I'm sure there will be pick forks outside of his house and everybody would be going crazy over it. I get it. I mean, we look at Virginia. We saw with Governor Northam. We saw, and, and people said, oh, we don't care if he's racist. He's a Democrat. And that, I mean, truly, these things have happened. So I, I don't disagree with you on that point. I truly appreciate your time. Thank you for joining out loud with Gianno Caldwell and bringing a very important perspective. And certainly as a, a person who's been a member of the Democratic Party for many, many years, I think Republicans would do well by taking a, a, a meeting or two and having uh, strategy conversations with you about how to uh, embrace communities who, un, unlike uh, when Trump was in office, who really stuck his neck out to bring about policies and embrace the community, the Republican Party overall hasn't necessarily done that. And President Trump certainly took it to another level. So when he won in 2016, he had 11 percent of the black vote, 13 percent of black men. And those numbers went to double digit this this time around in 2020. And I'm sure he can build on that if he decides to run again in 2024. So we, we love having new blood, new ideas, fresh diversity in the Republican Party. And thank you for being a part of it. Well, thank you, too. And, you know, I, I got to tell you, Gianno, President Trump inspired me to come to the Republican Party, not as much as the Republican Party and what they were doing is what Trump, President Trump did. So I'd say, hey, wait a minute. Here's a Republican who understands, who wants to build this party. He wants to have a diverse party. He wants everybody to have an opportunity. That's what inspires. So I'm hoping me and other individuals, even when the Republican Party as a whole, maybe it's not coming from the top, but people like you and me and others, we are the Republican Party too. 
but and people trust us. We have our own constituency, and so I'm sure you've been you. When I first heard you go on the air, first heard about you and seeing you talk, I'm like, wait a minute, shoot, this this brother's thinking what I'm thinking. So even when you didn't know that you inspired me, you inspired me. I'm like, okay, I got somebody else out there thinking just like me, and and that choir starts to get bigger and bigger. You know, and so, man, you don't know. Here, I, yeah, I'm a I'm a seasoned lawmaker. Uh, been around this business for 30 years. I'm inspired by Giano Caldwell too. I'm inspired, and and I quote you a lot of times. I said, listen, to that brother, man, that, that, look, he he's not in politics. I'm in politics. Okay, you want to call me a politician? But here here's a here's somebody who who, who grew up not with a silver spoon in his mouth. And he's not, he's not crying victim. He's trying to open your mind to open doors and get you to see, wait a minute, this is America. Yeah, we're not going to say there's no racism. It would be stupid to say that. But that's not what's causing us to, or holding us back. It doesn't make any sense for kids not to go to school. Now, in my time, my parents, they couldn't go to school, man. They had to take turns to go to school because they had to work on a damn farm. And they couldn't get past the third grade. All I had to do was go to school. All kids have to do now is go to school. Don't tell me you can't get an education. Don't tell me you can't. All right, I don't want to hear that. Don't tell me there's no opportunity. Is it hard? Yeah. But guess what? You and I both know what our parents teach us, uh, that we have to work twice as hard, be twice as smart. But we can do it. We can get ahead. We can be anything we want to be. You know, when when liberals, when liberals think you and I are too cock and too big for our bridges, you know why we're like we are? Because our parents told us that we're just as good as anybody else. I want to thank Vernon Jones for today's interview. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a review and rate us with five stars on Apple Podcasts. If you have any questions for me, please email me at outloudatgingrich360.com and I'll try to answer them in our future episodes. And please sign up for my monthly newsletter at gingrich360.com slash outloud. You can also find me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Parlor at Gianno Caldwell. And if you're interested in learning more about my story, please pick up a copy of my best-selling book titled Take It For Granted, How Conservatism Can Win Back the Americans That Liberalism Failed. Special thanks to our producer, John Cassio, researcher Aaron Klingman, and executive producers Debbie Myers and Speaker Newt Gingrich, all part of the Gingrich 360 Network. Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between Lisa and West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is expertly crafted from natural latex, natural wool, and certified safe foams to elevate your sleep sanctuary and support a greener tomorrow. Plus, every purchase helps fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. The biggest stars in country music will be taking the stage at our 2024 iHeart Country Festival, presented by Capital One. Jason Aldean, Keith Urban, Jelly Roll, 
Old Dominion. Lady A, Riley Green, Ashley McBride, Brothers Osborne, Walker Hayes. All hosted by Bobby Bones at Austin's Moody Center. Saturday, May 4th. Stream only on Hulu. Starting at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific.